just the short message and kind of keeping on with uh, some of the theme that we've had these past few weeks. We've been looking at different prophecies from the book of Isaiah that deal with the coming Christ. And I'll remind you, these prophecies are given some 700 years before he was born. It's amazing the detail that is here. We saw a few weeks ago, Isaiah 7, 14, that a virgin would have a son. They would call him Emmanuel, God with us. We saw in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, that that child, that son, would rule upon the throne of David forever. We saw in Isaiah 11, 1, that he would be the miraculous branch that came from the stump of David's line. He would bless all the world. We saw this morning in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 11, the character of Christ's care for us, that he is the great shepherd. Tonight I want to draw your attention to what I believe is the most powerful of all the prophecies of the Old Testament. I looked it up, and there's different opinions on this, how many prophecies, because sometimes you can have a prophecy that's a type, and it's a type of There's all kinds of theological debate on this. And uh, I saw a couple numbers from people that I would respect, and they said somewhere between 500 and 600 prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about things that Christ would do. And then it's estimated about half those, about 300 of them, are, uh, were fulfilled when he was born and when he walked on this earth and when he died and when he rose again. There's still some that, uh, that will be fulfilled in the future. And through these prophecies, God reveals amazing details. He tells us exactly where Christ will be born. Tells them what family he'll be born in. Get into the book of Daniel in the 70 weeks. I think he pretty much tells us when you can expect him to be born. It's amazing the level of detail of these prophecies. Each stroke of the prophet's pen is like the stroke of a master's paintbrush. And as you look here in Isaiah 53 at this master work, this portrait that is painted through prophecy, there's only one color used. That is crimson red. It's the red blood of the Lamb. It's a portrait here in Isaiah 53 that shocks every time we glance at it. Here so vividly, I think the most powerful, most clear description of what Christ would do as being our suffering Savior. It's easy to imagine Christ as an innocent babe in the manger. And then it's even we celebrate the picture of Him coming again as King of kings and Lord of lords. But this picture, I think, is the most important. It's why He was born. And by the way, it's why He'll be able to rule and reign. In Isaiah 53, beginning in verse number 1, the first thing we see is Him scorned. We see Him despised. Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The second thing we see is the Messiah 
smitten. We see the Messiah dying. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did it look like when he died, when he was the sacrifice for us? Well, verses 7 through 9 tell us. And here we see him slain. We see him dumb before his uh, oppressors. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit. In his mouth. There he was, the innocent, spotless Lamb of God. Even, even old crooked Pilate looked at him and said, I find no fault in him. Yet he died, an innocent man. Why? To be the sacrifice for our sins. The last portion of this chapter, verses 10 through 12, we continue and we see the Messiah as satisfying, we see him as delivering. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his And by the way, he died and now his days are prolonged. That's the resurrection. Verse 11. He, God, shall see the travail of his, Christ's, soul and shall be satisfied. He sees the payment that Christ did and said that's good enough. I don't need anything more. That's what I need. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. We don't have to bear them any longer. Christ paid the cost. He bore it all. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So we celebrate this Christmas season. Yes, we celebrate the miracle of the virgin birth of the Son of God, the Incarnation, one of the key doctrines of the Scripture, one of the most amazing miracles that God Himself would come down wrapped in human flesh and dwell among us. But let's not forget why. Let's not forget why He came. He came to save us from our sins. He came to pay the awful price for our sins. He came so that we who were condemned in our sin could have hope again. Hope for life. Hope for freedom. So I was thinking about it and I was thinking about that scene there that beautiful little nativity scene that we see played out. And yeah, maybe we don't get all the details right, but I see that little stable and the little wise men and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph, the little baby in a manger. You realize that over all that, there's a shadow that's cast, but it's a shadow that's shaped like a cross. 
because that's where it was all headed. He came to die to be the sacrifice for us. We don't just celebrate. I, I, I'm all for celebrating birthdays. I, I like, and I like celebrating babies. You don't know me. I like babies. But we don't just celebrate the birth of another child. We celebrate the Lamb of God that was born. Let's not lose sight of that with everything that goes on this season. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the hope that came because Christ was born. We're celebrating the hope we have because He was born.